Um, okay, good evening. Uh, today is January 16th. Um, we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, this week's chapter will be announced in a minute. And our speaker tonight is Elena R. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. We are speaking about the traditions tonight. So um, my name is Elena. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and exercise bulimic. Um, I'm living in a recovered state just for today. Thank God. Um, so Lisa, thank you for asking me to speak. For everyone doing service here tonight, um, I see a lot of familiar faces and especially welcome to any of the newcomers um, that are here or anyone who's still sick and suffering. Our primary purpose we just read in the traditions um, is to carry the message to all of you. So thank you for showing up. Um, so like I said, this week we're talking about the traditions and I don't know about you, but I have a kind of very avoidant relationship with the traditions. Um, how I think of it is like kind of like that old friend that you haven't seen in a long time and then you make plans to see them, but you hope they cancel, but then they don't. And so then when you get together, you're like really happy that you did. And you're like, why don't we do this more often, right? So I don't know, that's how my brain works. So when Amy told me that, you know, we're talking about the traditions this week, I can't say that I was excited, you know, and I am so, so happy that I was able to get reacquainted with the traditions because they are kind of awesome. And I'm like, why don't we do this more often, right? What, what am I afraid of here? So um, before I get into that, uh, just to identify in, I came into this program in November of 2020 um, because I was desperate and I was insane. And um, I was really out of my own ideas and I had nowhere else to go. My life was unmanageable because I was obsessed with myself. Um, my weight, how much I ate, how much I had to exercise to work that off, you know, how I looked, all of it. Um, my highest weight was somewhere over 300 pounds. I lost approximately 160 pounds on my own through pure force and determination, like out to prove something. Like if you doubted me, I had to prove you wrong. And if you rejected me, I had to get thin so you would love me, right? All very a manipulative and controlling attempt to finally be loved and accepted. So at my heaviest, I was um, eating out of garbages. I was sneaking food. I was avoidant of all intimacy, um, all intimate relationships. And at a certain point, you know, once I started losing weight through diet and exercise, I then became obsessed with diet and exercise. And the other side of the disease kicked in for me, which was restriction and exercise bulimia. So I've been on both sides of the disease. Um, and when it just got to the point where I couldn't keep up with the mental torture. I finally surrendered and I came here. And this program has probably, well, it is the only thing that has worked short-term and long-term because I'm not focusing on the food, I'm focusing on the spiritual solution. And I've been abstaining from my alcoholic foods and from alcoholic exercise for over two years. I'm also a perfectionist, AKA a controller. So there's many, many layers of the onion that continue to get revealed, you know, the deeper that I go into my abstinence and in my recovery. 
So recovery really just hasn't been linear for me. And I got to be honest, I work this program imperfectly. So yes, I work the 12 steps and I'm also aware enough to surrender as many times as I need to when things come up and then I get into action because I'm learning that, you know, being recovered or being through the steps doesn't make me superhuman. Um, the big book didn't promise me that. Nobody promised me that. I told myself that. Um, but I'm not cured and I can't avoid life when it happens. And I can't avoid when more layers of this onion are being uncovered. So my recovery isn't wrapped, you know, in a little bow. And some days, I feel like so connected. I feel so excited about my recovery and my program. And some days I isolate, you know, and that's real. And even though I've been through the steps, sometimes the person still sick and suffering in the rooms is me. And it's okay to say that. So thank God for these steps and these tools and all of you who take my calls and understand what I mean when I say that, you know, otherwise I'd be eating or exercising my way back into halter monitors and back into hospitals. So um, I think that's a little about me and that might be a good segue into the, into the tradition. So there's 12 traditions, there's 20 minutes. So I'm gonna speak to just a few of them that you know really stand out to me the most. Um, so like I said before, I've been kind of connected to the traditions the most basic understanding that I have of the traditions is that the steps stop me from killing me and the traditions stop me from killing you. And there are guidelines, right, for maintaining relationships everywhere. Um, and it's all about how I use them now in recovery. It's, you know, what the traditions mean to me, how I employ them, because you have to employ them, right, how I employ them in my daily life you know, whether it's a business meeting or this meeting or at work um, or in my family. And, um, oh God, the saying, I used to hear this saying, it said, um, if you want to test your recovery, go to a business meeting, which is probably why, you know, why I don't go to them, right? But <laughs> that brings me to tradition two, which is, you know, there is but one authority and that authority is not me. Um, it's a loving God, as God may express God's self through our root conscience. I'm just a trusted servant and I do not govern. Um, you know, and it's really cool because no single member, there's no hierarchy here. No single member has the right to take charge. So this goes for this meeting, other way meetings, but um, most recently, you know, especially in my family too. So when I insist on having my own way, I am just tampering with the spiritual nature of a way, or I'm, I'm tampering with the spiritual nature of life as a whole, right? I'm, I'm, I'm messing with God's work. And so I'll give you an example. Um, we just moved into a new house and my need for control and for certainty has just skyrocketed. I mean, full force. And not only did I unpack and organize everything in my house in three days flat, I was just full on making choices about renovations in my house or taking actions without fully consulting with my husband, kind of, but not really, you know? Um, so we both agreed that we would paint our entire house, but I took that and I ran with it. And before long, 
Um, we were painting trim, we were painting doors, we were painting ceilings, you know, things that we didn't 100% agree on. So the impact of that, right, when my selfishness, my dishonesty showed up, you know, there's an impact, right? And so the impact was incredible pressure now on my, on my husband, more arguments, you know, mistrust, and lots of attempts on me, this is my dishonesty, right? to dominate and to control. That's how I like to control is by dominating, you know, and that's just one example. So it got to the point where my six-year-old picked up on it. And I was talking to my husband, he was like overhearing us talking. And I was talking to him about the plans that I had about our living room. And my six-year-old, he's so damn cute. He stops and he says to me, he's like, mom, this isn't just your kingdom. We live here too, right? And he literally said that. And I thought to myself, I love that he used the word kingdom, right? But he's right. This is not my kingdom, whether I'm in a business meeting or as a member of my family. For me, you know, it's easier for me to behave in OA meetings, right? Like I know how to put it on in the OA meetings, in a business meeting, and I know how to behave. But, you know, my personal life, it's it's really not easy. And what I saw actually this week as I was reviewing the traditions, thinking about tonight is that, my higher power guides me in my daily life. And he's also like working within my group through the voices of its members, right? So in this case, it was my six-year-old who snapped me, you know, right back into reality. So we decided as a whole that we're now taking a group conscience on any and all renovations that are happening in our house, right? Obviously, after I cleaned up my side of the street and I cleaned up with a mess, you know, that I caused. So Although I'm a participant, you know, I'm not in charge. So that's, that's, you know, kind of my, my take on tradition two. Um, tradition three, I would say is something that I didn't realize was one of those guidelines that helped me feel safe and like I belong here. And it says the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating impulsively. So I have a problem with compulsive eating. I have a problem with restricting. I have a problem with over-exercising, period. That is my only requirement. I don't have to speak or address or act a certain way or have the perfect share or whatever to belong, right? And I also don't have to believe or disbelieve. I am just free to be myself. And, you know, to be honest, I, I really get caught up sometimes in comparing my happy, joyous, and free to your happy, joyous, and free. Um, and this reminds me, this tradition to run my own race and that I belong, you know, just as I am in perfections. This is, you know, come as you are program, right? And, you know, that's important for me to remember in my life as well. Because um, for years, I just felt like I don't belong. Um, but come to find out, I belong here, right? My higher power created me on this earth um, at this exact time in history, just as I am. And there's no conditions to me being here. I don't have to be skinny. Um, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be a perfect mom. I don't have to work a perfect program to be accepted and loved. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, it's also my duty now that I am recovered and through the, through the steps to welcome anyone into OA who is suffering from the effects of compulsive overeating, because all they need to have is a desire to stop eating compulsively. So it's really, you know, I was thinking it was really like a chance um, to look at what we all have in common. You know, this tradition is an inviting tradition. We always hear like, 
welcome back, welcome home, you know, and I've also heard that the spiritual concept of tradition three is identifying. And really it's a privilege for me to just even be here speaking to you, like sharing a message of recovery with a newcomer or with someone still struggling, because I remember what it was like in the food. You know, I remember the physical and the mental and, the, you know, it was just torture that I was in. So tradition three for me is about like, am I able to identify in with being a compulsive overeater, either a compulsive overeater, compulsive undereater, eater, you know, whatever it is, right? Because I was part of many, many, my God, so many pay and weigh groups, right? The weekly weigh-ins, the diet plan, the group support, you know, cheering each other on. Um, there's many groups that cater to that. They cater to people who undereat or they overeat or they're too heavy or they're too thin. Um, and they provide a sense of belonging and it works for a certain amount of time. It works. If I follow that diet, it works. But what about when I reach my goal? And when they said I could be on maintenance or I could reward myself with a cheat meal, you know, I remember it was like two, three year two, three, at least two to three years. Yeah. Where I would just literally diet all week and then reward myself with these cheat meals on the weekend. But what it really was, was restricting all week and then binging on the weekends. And like clockwork, I would gain the same 10 to 12 pounds in water weight every single weekend. And then when I tell you my primary purpose in life was to lose that weight Monday through Friday, nothing else got done, but that you know, I would cancel everything. I'd be obsessively on that scale five to six times a day, first thing in the morning, after bowel movements, after workouts, before bed. Um, and it would literally start with an apple because it was healthy. And then one apple would turn into two and then it would turn into three. And then before you know it, I was entitled. See, that's always how I felt. I felt entitled. I felt deserving to anything I ever wanted to eat while promising myself that I just work it off, or maybe, you know, just maybe this time it would be different, or maybe this time I could eat with impunity. And like I said, I canceled any engagements that I had that I would have to show up and be seen at just in shame of how my bloated body would look. I mean, I canceled anything that got in the way of my exercise. Like I took myself out of life completely. So, you know, to me, that's a compulsive overeater. Like that is way different than the person who's overweight, who needs to learn portion control. Not everyone is a compulsive overeater. Not everyone is an addict. You know, um, I gained knowledge. I went to school. I learned about food. I have degrees in nutrition. I made a career out of it and it made no difference. Um, so I am the real compulsive overeater as described in the big book. And I always like to make a plug whenever I talk about this, I like to make a plug for the doctor's opinion, because I'm telling you that chapter just changed my entire perspective because it describes the physical allergy of the body and then the mental twist. And that chapter helped me identify in. Otherwise, I'd still be out there doing it my way because I'm an exception to the rule, right? I think I can still do it my way. I can come, I can get what I need. Um, you know, and then I leave because I'm an isolator and I don't really want to get to know any of you, right? I have enough friends and that already feels like a huge responsibility, right? That's how I used to think of it. 
I didn't have patience for more relationships. You know, I always thought like some way I'd figured it out. You know, I'll just figure it out. I'll go to these meetings, whatever. Once I start losing weight or once the problem is solved, like I'm just going to leave. So this is basically what tradition one is saying, which is, you know, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. My recovery depends upon OA unity. We have a need for unity and for fellowship. And what I really learned is that my real need is to get connected with other people. And we hear it like all the time. You can't do it alone. Together we get better. Together we can. They're not kidding, right? So when I first came in the rooms, I still had a very, very punishing higher power. I didn't have a clue um, about who my higher power really was. And thank God for this group because they were the power. You were the power that I needed to get through those first few months I'll never forget on Thanksgiving day, it was Thanksgiving, 2020. I had a house full of family members. I mean, there had to be like 35 people in my house and I was maybe two weeks abstinent. So I really had no higher power to depend on, but what I did have was an OA Thanksgiving marathon meeting to sign into anytime I needed power. And, you know, I signed into that meeting, maybe two or three different points during the day with fellows like you telling you guys that I needed help and we got through it. You know, we did it together. So personal recovery depends upon OA unity. At least that's how I interpret tradition one. So now, nowadays, OA unity means doing service, uh, sharing at meetings, even when I don't feel like I have anything to share, right? Even when I don't feel like it. Um, sponsoring, not just for what I need, but for now what I can offer, right? So how will newcomers know if there's newcomers here? How will they know if there's a solution if I or, you know, other members, if we don't show up, even when things are going bad or even when they're going well, or there's a lot of longtime members who slip and forget the type of help and the fellowship that are available to them until, you know, they're reminded and they show up to a meeting. So God knows I need help. God knows I need help sometimes too. I don't have anything figured out. And I've needed a lot of help over these past few months, you know, navigating a big life change, a big move, and also some health issues that have been coming up. And there's a part of me that feels like just because I'm recovered or, you know, I'm not supposed to be having hardships or I need to be spewing out messages of rainbows and puppies, you know, I can't be the one needing support. And that's the disease, right? That's the disease just trying to get me to isolate. It tells me, you know, you're doing something wrong here, or you didn't do your 10th or your 11th step perfectly, perfectly. Maybe you didn't make enough phone calls. You know, you did something wrong. Like that's why you're struggling. No, I'm struggling because I'm a human and this is life, right? So this disease is powerful and it's okay that I'm having these thoughts because as a human, I can't control my thoughts, but I can control what I do with them. I'm never going to say I'm not going to have a food thought or I'm never going to have a body image thought or I'm never going to have, you know, an exercise thought because I'm human. They come up, right? I can't prevent that, but I can control what I do with them. You know, at least this program has taught me that. So, you know, am I going to get hooked by them or not? And if I do get hooked, that's fine too. How quickly can I get out of it? How quickly can I get in contact with my sponsor or my fellows, use my tools, bring it to the light, you know? So that to me is OA unity, you know? And speaking of the message, um, you know, tradition five, right? So our primary purpose, we have one primary purpose, which is to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers 
I've actually heard um, to abstain from compulsive overeating as our secondary purpose, but our primary purpose is to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And my, my sponsor, she always says to me, Elena, you're always carrying a message, right? You're always carrying a message. So what is the message here, right? So I think about step 12, um, that I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Awakening goes back to step two, where I came to believe that a power greater than myself, and like I said, it was you at the time, um, but this power could restore me to sanity. And sanity is no longer wanting to return to which I've abstained from, right? So that's compulsive eating, exercising, or even getting hooked into insane thinking, right? So we have a way of life and we want to help others get what we've got. And you know that's all for the greater good and that's all for the greater good of those who still suffer. Um, so, you know, the traditions are looked at you know, basically as a set of spiritual ways, you know, not a set of rules. I used to think of it as a set of rules. They're not, they're guidelines. They're just spiritual ways. Um, they're just simply, you know, we have our own concept of our higher power, but we're all acting um, with our higher power in mind, kind of working together, like thinking of others for once um, and not thinking just about me. So, um, I think that's all I have to share today, but thank you everyone for being here. And again, thank you for asking me to share and I will pass. Thank you. Amazing, thank you so much. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on your phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Who would like to share? Kai, you're up. Hi, my name's Kai. I'm a compulsive overeater, sugar addict. Um, I don't have a question, more of just a share. Um, this is my first time at this meeting, although I also came into the program in November of 2020, so we're like twins, Elena. Um, I heard about this meeting from the OA birthday party this weekend, which was awesome. So anyway, I'm glad I'm here. Um, thank you, Elena, for your lead. I really appreciate you speaking to the reality of sometimes um, being really excited about program and then sometimes being really isolating. Um, that is the case for me. And I feel like nobody really talks about that. Um, and that can make me feel even more isolated. Like, oh my God, what's wrong with me that I'm suddenly kind of more checked out or that I'm, you know, it, having, having a, a harder time in program, you know, what's wrong with me? Everyone else has it figured out except for me. Um, something I have to tell myself over and over in program is like, Kai, you're not that special. Everybody else is struggling with the same stuff you are. Um, so anyway, it was just nice. It was nice to hear that. Um, cause I'm also a really big isolator. Um, and I always told myself that it's because 
I'm just shy and I'm just introverted. And yeah, maybe that's part of it. Um, but it's also that I don't want any of you to see me. Um, I don't want you to see my body. Absolutely not. Um, but I also don't want you to see my internal self. Absolutely not. Um, and OA forces me to practice doing that in ways that are, you know, safe and comfortable. And thank God for that. Um, you know, I've had experiences I never thought I'd have. I've met people who have changed my life um, and found nearly two years now of absence um, from a disease that I thought was something that I was the only person who ever experienced. Um, I was just some loser, failure guy who couldn't figure it out. Everyone else had figured it out except for me. Um, and I don't know that I ever really believed in miracles or maybe just that I wasn't the type of person who miracles happened to, but, um, you know, if ever there was a miracle in my life, it's that it's that almost, I have almost two years of abstinence. Um, yeah. Thanks for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Uh, Yanira, you're up. Um, hi everyone. Yanira, compulsive overeater. Um, Elena, thank you so much for your share. I hate to, you know, crosstalk, but I definitely related to a lot of the things that you shared about um, having a really um, fun time with program and stuff and like really connecting and feeling good. And then the complete opposite of feeling completely alone and isolated. Like, again, no one really talks about that. And so I'm glad that I'm here at this meeting to have been able to hear that. Um, a little bit of a share. Um, I am struggling with an ailing um, family member with worsening dementia. And um, one of the things that really um, hurts my feelings um, about that is that I can't control it. And um, I reached out to my sponsor today and she so lovingly pointed me to step three right? Uh, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And I had to sit with that, you know, because I have to let God take care of me. You know, I have to let God guide me. I know that I'm making the choices that I need to make for my, for my loved one, but it doesn't stop it from feeling really isolating it makes me feel like I'm alone and I am not doing the right I'm not doing right by my family member so you know I was just feeling in a weird like hey what a fun time at the OA birthday party what a fun weekend and stuff right lots of connection lots of lots of seeing people in person and whatnot but like immediately zapped to reality and feeling oh my gosh this is I have to deal with this this is terrible and I'm not I don't know what to do so um Thank you again for reminding me why it is that I come into this room. And um, thank you guys for letting me share. And I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, let's have Rich. Thank you. My name is Rich. I'm a compulsive overeater. And thank you so much for your share, Elena. Um, and it's it's so wonderful. Um, the the um, diverse pieces of literature that this meeting reads, um, not only the steps, but the, your own conception of God. Now the traditions—it's—it's very—it's—it's—it's—it's um, it, um, intense. It's a lot to take in, and and I really identified with. Um, if I may, you know, I know how to act and say the right things in a meeting. 
I've, I've, I've been doing this a while, so I, I know how to do that. But the moment I log off and I'm interacting with either my wife or the real world or the public, you know, sometimes it's like what recovery? Um, you know, so I'm reminded about the traditions that you're sharing. And really the one that comes up for me has been coming up for me quite frequently this last year, especially was lease money, property and prestige divert me from my own recovery. Uh, because my ego says, yes, seek power, seek money, seek sex, seek food, seek anything that will make you your own higher power. And when that happens, everything comes apart without fail. So, I, you know, to get this reminder of the traditions, it's, it's, um, it's, it's vital and it's important. And I understand this whole idea around the traditions being tied into the business meetings, but actually, you know, it's tied in more in the sense of, you know, being, re for me, being returned to source, my connection with God. I say God, our higher power, whatever you want to call it. And um, I, I, I want to say, I, um, if I may, that um, I, I hope someday to be of service to this meeting. I have not defined my abstinence. I've been coming to this meeting a little over a year. I had a very gentle talk with my wife today about this meeting. And um, we talked a little bit about it, about what abstinence looks like for me. I know there's sponsorship involved. I know that everybody defines their own, their own abstinence. But I also know that I have a desire not to eat compulsively. And that's why I'm here. So thank you so much. Thank you. CJW? Hey, everybody. Uh, CJ, CJ, anorexic bulimic, um, compulsive overeater, living in a recovered state today. I can't forget to time myself. Um, oh, so much love. I won't, um, I won't cross talk, but so much love. So much love for the shares. Um, so much love for the lead. Um, I laughed so much about the, <laughs> the, the traditions being, you know, this person that you kind of don't see a lot and you don't think about a lot. And then they come around and you're like, oh, they're pretty cool. Why didn't I think of them again? And then I forget about them again. Um, but I, I've, been, um, I've been reading the traditions a little bit more. And um, I think, you know, there's a part of the big book that I always go to. It's not the traditions, but it, it talks about, um, page 164, it talks about, um, you know, higher power will show me how to create the fellowship I crave, how to create the love I crave. And um, and I, I came into this program um, not knowing how self-centered I was and not knowing how much I came here to get what I wanted to get out of it, um, not what I had to offer. And um, what I love about the traditions is um, the, you know, my personal recovery depends upon way unity, but also everyone is welcome. Everyone has an equal voice. Everyone has an equal um, right to be here. Um, there isn't anyone better or less than. And I've never experienced anywhere else than, than in the 12 stops. Um, and it taught me, it's teaching me, I haven't learned it yet, um, but it's teaching me that to, for this program to work for me and for others, I can't just take, I have to give. I have to be here to, to 
understand what I have to offer, um, know that I have love to offer and, and have recovery to offer and, and give away what I have been so freely given. I have not seen love so freely given anywhere else um, than in these rooms. And um, I would like to, I'm sure it's out there elsewhere. I'm not saying that it's not, but it's like so consistently, there's something about, you know, the concept of a group conscience and letting a higher power run the show rather than us because, um, you know, I am pages 60 to 63. I will want to tell you all what to do. Um, that something bigger happens through this fellowship that I never could have imagined um, because of how group conscience works. And um, I just, I never thought it was possible to have what I dreamed of and I found it here in this fellowship. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks very much. Thank you, CJ. Uh, Andrea. Hi, Andrea in Ohio. Um, I have many symptoms of this disease and on and, and both sides, you know, the restriction and the overeating and, and everything in between. And so, um, and I'm, I'm perfectly working this program. I really like to say that because I am a perfectionist and a recovering perfectionist. And um, that's a big part of what drives the whole uh, issue for me in the first place, I believe. So um, the traditions, I well, first of all, Lena, thank you so much for your share. I really appreciated a lot of things that you were saying and um, I, I really enjoyed it. And so Speaking of the traditions, I also, you know, I, it's something that I never really want to get into. I find it really boring sometimes. And, um, you know, tradition three for me is just such a beautiful, um, it's such a beautiful thing that was written and I have my 12 and 12 here, but some of the things that, um, you know, stand out to me that we can't, <clears throat> even your crimes, we still cannot deny you. Um, never mind how twisted or violent you may be. And, and I'm like, wow, that's just wonderful because there's been so many times where I felt like I, I'm the odd, odd man out here in every situation. You know, I'm, I'm too bad to be here. I'm fucked up way too much. I'm, I've committed more crimes. I've, you know, done more horrible things. And so <clears throat> that's just kind of like my, my negative belief that, is always repeating itself in every situation I encounter. And so for that to just be like laid out in the beginning for us, like no matter what you do, no matter your politics, no matter what you believe you belong here and, and we aren't going to judge you. And then I like how it says later on in the, in the tradition, after all, isn't fear the true basis of intolerance? Yes, we were intolerant. And um. Yeah, that's me, intolerant. <laughs> intolerant, full judgment. And um, and yet then I get reminded that that I belong and we all belong. And um, and so that's just it helps me feel the sense of belonging, which is what I've I'm always searching for. Um and you know, speaking of the other tradition, um Personal recovery depends on OA unity. I 
I find that that one still like irks me a little. I mean, I love it, but you know, that whole wanting to isolate my disease wants me to isolate. It feels so uncomfortable for me to like jump in and be, be in the middle of the herd, so to speak. And, um, and yet I know that's exactly what I need to do. And what I'm in. Thank you. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Eileen. Yes. No, I'm just teasing. Hi, um, Eileen, um, recovering compulsive overeater. So good to see everybody, um, today, Elena, thank you so much for your share. So true. I mean, everything you said, so true. Um, I loved hearing your son's response to, uh, you like, taking care of everything and saying, you know, it's not just your kingdom or whatever. And I was like, Oh, you have a little mini you. I just thought that was hilarious and adorable. Um, so, uh, I, um, you know, Elena, you have taught me, um, such a, a lesson in like fallibility that like, I remember, um, you know, when I first saw you in program, I'm like, how can somebody so freaking beautiful, like have any, I know, I know, like have any issues. And, you know, the thing is like, I have this thing where I judge people's outsides, right? I think that if you have a certain look, if that, how could you possibly have any issue possible, anything? right? Because I've always judged myself by my looks and my not being able to succeed or anything. And I remember, um, I was talking to somebody about you and, uh, it was, it's just like amazing to me that you, to hear you talk about your life and to share your story is just so giving and loving for me because it's, it's nice to hear that somebody so beautiful could have a problem. but this happened over the weekend too. I was talking to somebody, um, who I like when I first saw them in person was like, Oh my God, you know, they're so beautiful. And I was having a conversation with them and I was like, what is happening right now? And, you know, we're all like humans. We're all humans with, with our issues, no matter what we look like, we're, we're all exactly like, we're all members of Overeaters Anonymous in all scales, on all sites, on all parts. And we all are dealing with this, with this, with this disease, no matter what we look like on the outside. (laughs) And, um, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to, you know, kind of grow and learn, um, and be a part of this fellowship, um, all together. And, and I want to welcome those who, um, are, you know, new in January to this meeting or coming back, or, um, this is my favorite meeting, the CYOC meeting. And I'm, I'm so happy to be in this room with all of you. Um, and, uh, you know, I love you all so much and, uh, and I'm glad that I can just, you know, be super authentic in myself and just say these crazy thoughts that come to my head. And I just love you all. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded sh- uh, questions or shares. With the Zoom host, please stop the recording. <laughs>